This is Avery Kerner uh, with planning staff, and the time is now 6.03, so I think we're going to go ahead and get started with Kelly. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, so Kelly, uh, since Jody is not here at the moment, if you want to proceed with starting the meeting, um, you can take it off. Sure. Uh, Commissioner Kirby, I will call the um, July 15, 2021 uh, meeting of the HRC to order. Um, Avery, do you want to do your spiel thing? Yes. Let me get that pulled up. Okay, good evening and welcome to the July 15, 2021 Historic Resources Commission meeting. My name is Avery Kerner and I will be facilitating the Zoom video portion of the meeting tonight. Joining me here in the City Commission room is Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. We will work alongside the chair who is on remote video to facilitate the meeting proceedings. This meeting is being recorded and broadcast live on the city's YouTube channel and public access cable channel 25. During the meeting, please mute yourself by clicking on the microphone icon found on the lower left-hand corner of the Zoom menu next to the video icon. When you are muted, a red line will appear over the icon. This will make it easier for everyone to hear the meeting. Just remember to unmute if and when you want to speak. You can also turn your video camera on or off by clicking the video icon in the menu. For the purposes of this public meeting, when you are not participating in the meeting, or my apologies, when you are participating in the meeting, please keep your video on. When you are not participating in the meeting, it is okay to turn your video off. You'll just have to remember to turn your video back on when you are participating. Turning your video off when you are not participating will help make sure that the active meeting participants can be seen on the screen. If you are participating by phone, you can enter star six to mute and unmute your phone. Somewhere on your Zoom screen, you will also see a choice to toggle between speaker and gallery view. Speaker view shows the active speaker. Gallery view tiles all of the meeting participants. Commissioners, you must state your name and title each time you speak. Members of city staff must also state their name and title each time they speak. I would also ask that applicants and members of the public identify themselves each time before they speak to ensure that everyone is able to follow along. When public comment is sought on an item, individuals participating via Zoom should use the raise hand feature. Windows and Mac users can access this feature through the participants button on the bottom of their screen. Android and iPhone users can access this feature through the More button located at the bottom right corner of their screen. For those calling in by phone, you, must, you may dial star 9. Individuals will be called upon by name and in the order they appear on the meeting host screen. When you are called on, please unmute your listening device and state your name before speaking. The chair will then call for in-person public comment for those who are physically present. Staff will direct you to the podium to speak. All motions will need to be stated clearly. After a motion is made and seconded, the chair will call on each commissioner individually to provide their vote. The chair will then announce whether the motion carried and the count of the vote. I want to again remind everyone to please mute yourself when you are not speaking. And now I'll turn the meeting over to the chair. Commissioner Irby, thank you, Avery. Uh, okay, so we will, I think we have to do roll call. Uh, Lynn, that's right. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. That is correct. Okay, so Commissioner Irby, I will uh, take roll. Uh, please uh, indicate that you're present. Jay Holly. 
Commissioner Holly present. Um, Jody Meyer, I don't believe jo Commissioner Meyer is present. Uh, Commissioner Azell. Sorry, I didn't, uh, we couldn't hear you. And also I might've said your name wrong. So please correct me if I did. Commissioner Irby, am I the only one who cannot hear Commissioner Hazel? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. We cannot hear Commissioner Azell in the commission chambers. Okay, I'm gonna, Commissioner Irby, I'm gonna continue with roll call and hope that Commissioner Azell gets his audio worked out. Um, Commissioner Brennan, Brenna Buchanan-Young. Present. Uh, Commissioner Foster, I believe he is absent. Uh, Commissioner uh, Holder. Present. And Commissioner Irby, I am present. Okay, thank you. Uh, we will now move on to uh, the agenda items. First on the agenda is to receive communications from other commissions, state historic, uh, the State Historic Preservation Officer and the general public. Um, I believe there are two communications for us to receive um, from the SHPO. Lynn, do you wanna proceed with that? Uh, this is Commissioner Buchanan. I need to abstain from one of these. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Um, you can do that if the commission decides to take a vote. Um, you don't have to do anything right now. Um, I would like to introduce the 645 Connecticut Street, the A.J. Griffin House. Um, it's being nominated to the National Register of Historic Places. I hope you had a chance to read the nomination. It's a really fascinating property and important to the history of Lawrence. Um, the second nomination is for 620 East 8th Street. That was actually a boundary uh, expansion to include the Quonset Hut that's on 8th Street to the um, 8th and Penn Industrial, the East Lawrence Industrial District. That has been tabled for a small time from the site's board of review meeting while the applicant looks at historic tax credits in the project. So that one will actually not be going to the site's board of review, but 645 Connecticut Street will. Um, typically, when you have reviewed a nomination for uh, listing in the National Register, the commission has voted to send a letter of support for that nomination if appropriate. Commissioner Irby, thank you, Lynn. Um, so I will uh, bring the 645 Connecticut uh, Street back to the commission for discussion. I'm certainly in favor of uh, drafting a letter of support. Um, how do others feel? Commissioner Holly, in favor. This is Commissioner Ezell. Can you hear me now? Commissioner Irby, yes, we can hear you. Yay. All right. Uh, I am certainly in favor. This is Commissioner Holder. Does this require a motion? Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator, yes, and a motion. Yeah, would be appropriate. 
I just want to oh. sure uh, yes, I just wanted to make sure that we were in favor of this before we make a motion. It sounds like we are. Um, does somebody want to make a motion? Yes, this is Commissioner Holder. I move that we um, direct staff to write a letter of support for the nomination of 645 Connecticut Street to the National Register of Historic Places, as well as the Register of uh, Historic Kansas Places for the chair to then sign. Commissioner Irby, I second that motion. Uh, we will now take a roll call vote. Commissioner Holder. Aye. Commissioner Holly. Commissioner Holly, could you repeat that? Aye, in favor. Thank you. Um, Commissioner Izell. Aye. And Commissioner Buchanan. Abstain. Okay. Uh, oh, and C Commissioner Irby, aye. So the motion carries. Um, uh, what is the one? Four to with one abstention. Uh, okay. Thank you. Moving on uh, in the agenda, we have disclosure of ex parte communications. Does anyone have anything to disclose? Okay, hearing none, are there any declarations of abstentions for um, other agenda items? Yes, uh, I am. I must recuse myself from uh, item two on the public hearing items. Great, thank you. Uh, Lynn, how will that work over Zoom? Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. When we get to that item, you will call the item. Commissioner Azell will um, state that he is leaving the meeting. Avery will then put him in the waiting room and speak to the fact that he is in the waiting room. And then once the motion has been um, or whatever action the Historic Resources Commission takes, once that's completed, then Avery will let Commissioner Azell back into the meeting. Commissioner Irby, thank you for clarifying that. Sounds like a plan. Okay, and then um, committee reports. I don't believe there are any committee reports. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. We did have a meeting of the um, Dowdell Rice Marker Committee and worked through some potential um, types of signage and looked at cost and how those signs may be paid for. We're in the process of setting up a follow-up meeting to that meeting after staff and um, representative from the Watkins Museum have had a chance to gather additional information. So we will be reporting back to you soon on that. Commissioner Arby, yes, thank you. Um, okay, and so we are on to the consent agenda. Um, there is one item uh, under administrative approvals. Um, Lynn, do you have anything to say about this item? Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator, we'd be happy to stand for any questions you might have on a specific project. Commissioner Irby, thank you. Does anyone have questions for? Um, I 
think we need a motion. Do we, do we need a motion to approve administrative things? Yes. Okay. So does, would anyone like to motion to approve the administrative uh, approvals? This is Commissioner Buchanan. I move that we approve the administrative approvals as uh, presented by staff. Commissioner Irby, I second. So we'll take a roll call vote. Uh, Commissioner Buchanan. Aye. Commissioner Azell. Aye. Commissioner Holder. Aye. Commissioner Holly. Aye. Commissioner Irby is also an aye. Uh, motion carries unanimously. Thank you. Uh, we'll now move on to public comment. Is there anyone in the uh, in the room who would like to make comment, Avery, or anyone on Zoom? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. It doesn't look like there's anybody in the commission chambers to make public comment. Looks like we do have one individual raising their hand on Zoom. And so I'll ask that Carrie Altenbrand go ahead and uh, proceed with your public comment. Thank you. Uh, thank you, commissioners. Uh, I am here, uh, at uh, I've been delegated by the uh, uh, Friends of Oak Hill Cemetery to uh, we actually had a meeting going on at the same time and we, uh, an item came up and uh, it turns out we don't know exactly what's going on on it. And it, it, it involves uh, markers and signage at the, at the cemetery. So uh, as I said, I was delegated to come over here and ask, ask, uh, does the marker, uh, the marker uh, committee, uh, is that also in charge of signage at, at the cemetery? Uh, we're really confused on on what to do. We've been trying to work and get uh, get some signage at at the cemetery, uh, uh, basically uh, at Potter's Field and also uh, perhaps at the entrance. And, and we're not really sure how this is all supposed to fit together. Uh, we we're not that we're getting different information, but we just don't see where all the information is trailing from and coming to. So we're wanting some clarification on, on how does this all work together? How does the marker committee and any signage committees work to get, uh, to get historical uh, markers uh, in Oak Hill Cemetery? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Um, the process right now for signage at Oak Hill Cemetery would be for the friends group to work with staff, including parks and recreation staff, to come up with a proposal for what um, the friends group would like to see. That proposal will be vetted by staff and then taken to the new established marker committee that has a representative from this commission, um, the Watkins Community Museum, um, Public Relations Commission, and Parks and Recreation. So the first step is to work with staff to come up with a proposal. Then that proposal goes to the marker committee. The marker committee makes a recommendation to the um, Historic Resources Commission and ultimately the City Commission is the um, final say on if the marker is approved. 
are there things that are automatically off the table to start with or is anything on the table any kind of marker or uh, or informational kiosk uh potentially available on the table Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. The marker committee has actually not had their first meeting to determine if there are going to be specific types of markers. Um, that's why it's important for these um, applications to come forward so the committee has something to review um, and they'll be looking at different types of markers across the city that would be appropriate. Okay. So our first step is city staff, is what you're saying. Limbrecht. You said that, it, it include, that includes uh, Parks and Rec. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator for Oak Hill Cemetery. It would be myself and Parks and Rec staff. Okay, so Parks and Rec staff have a say in how the historical markers are done in the cemetery? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Since it is a property run by Parks and Recreation, um, they have uh, they work with staff on location and maintenance of markers. Okay. All right, but it is a city cemetery. It's not a Parks and Rec cemetery. Uh, thank you. I will I will uh, bring this information to the uh, to the Friends of Oak Hill Cemetery, and we will then. Uh, put in the uh, the decisions that we come up with for the for the best markers to have there. Thank you. Commissioner Irby, uh, thank you, Carrie. Is there any other public comment? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. It doesn't look like there's any uh, other public comment at this time. Commissioner Irby, okay, we will then move on to the public hearing items. Um, so first up is 908 Connecticut Street. Um, this is uh, application of certificate of appropriateness. Lynn? Lynn braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. This is DR 21-00213908 Connecticut Street. It is a Certificate of Appropriateness Review submitted by Eric J. for John and Allison Sebelius, the property owners of record. The property is listed is located in the environs of St. Luke Methodist Episcopal Church at 900 New York Street and the Turnhalla at 900 Rhode Island Street. This is a location map. The subject property is highlighted in green in the middle. And you can see um, the turn hollow on, that's in blue on the left-hand side of your screen. And then on the right-hand side of your screen in the green hatched blue is St. Luke AME. Okay. This is the primary elevation of the subject property. We'll just walk around real quick. This is that north elevation where you'll be able to see part of the addition. And this is the rear elevation where the addition is proposed. The applicant is requesting con to construct an addition to the structure. The majority of the addition would be a second story addition with only 110 square foot 
square foot footprint addition. The second story addition would be 29 feet from east to west and 28 feet from north to south. The addition would be clad with lap siding and accent shake shingles and would have a metal roof. And this is looking at the east elevation of the proposed addition. And then the side of the addition, I believe that's the north side. The south side of the addition. And the rear. The, as I mentioned, the proposed property is located in the environs of St. Luke and the Turn Hollow. The proposed project meets most of the standards and guidelines identified in Chapter 22. The only concern for staff are the overall mass and the metal roof. And the overall mass can be seen in the drawing of how large the second story addition is compared to the very front um, of the historic structure. The metal roof, we, we talk about metal roofs quite a bit in this commission. Uh, typically metal roofs are not appropriate for historic properties. This would be for an addition and so staff would recommend the metal roof be okay if it is a flat panel with crimp seams. It's important to know that environs review focuses on the environment of the listed property and how the project interacts with the environment of the listed property, not how the project affects the subject property. If this were a listed property, the addition would need alteration to meet the applicable standards and guidelines. While the proposed addition is atypical for the environs, it would not encroach upon or damage the environs because of its location to the rear of the structure. Staff is recommending that you approve the certificate of appropriateness. And with that, I'd be happy to stand for any questions you might have. Commissioner Irby, thank you, Lynn. Uh, does anyone have questions for Lynn? Is the applicant present? Yes. Here. Would you like to speak? Um, Lynn described it pretty well. Uh, there's basically a uh, 109 square foot addition on the main level and also the cellar level. The house currently has an exterior stair that um, accesses the cellar. So the homeowners want to bring So we're adding a stairway, a powder room and a pantry um, on the main level um, adjacent to the existing kitchen. And then um, upstairs we're at 766 feet, which consists of um, three bedrooms and one uh, bathroom and walk-in closet. Um, that upper level footprint's going to overhang the existing kitchen um, footprint, create some covered outdoor space below it. Um, we're through the existing roof on the kitchen and um, build up off of that. And so uh, other than that, I think things that Lynn described are, are pretty accurate. So I'll leave it open to uh, questions. Commissioner Irby, thank you. Um, so let's bring it back to the commission for discussion. Lynn braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. You'll need to ask for public comment first. 
Thank you, Commissioner Arby. Thank you, Lynn, for keeping me honest. Is there any public comment on this item? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. Uh, there is nobody in the commission chambers wishing to speak, and there are no hands raised on Zoom. Commissioner Irby, thank you. Okay, so now we can bring it back to uh, the commission for discussion. What are your thoughts? This is Commissioner Buchanan. I guess I'll start. Um, Eric, don't take any of this personally. Um, I do see what Lynn's saying with mass and scale. Um, I think my biggest concerns are the exposed concrete foundation instead of having that veneered in stone. Um, I get kind of the slab, um, what are you trying to do? But exposed concrete just seems like it would fit better with a stone veneer. And I have a huge concern with the cantilever. It's just very atypical pattern for anything else that's around it, let alone what it's in the environs of. So um, I think there's some fenestration that could be improved. Uh, my initial reaction is to send this to the ARC. It's my two cents. Uh, Commissioner Irby, Eric, or you look like, or sorry, if I shouldn't call you Eric, Mr. J, uh, perhaps, would you like to respond? Um, I'm not sure what Brennan's talking about, the exposed concrete. There's no exposed concrete um, proposed on the entire project. Um, and then as far as cantilevered floor, um, you guys actually, actually approved a project um, that's very similar um, in style and design aesthetics at 1124 Rhode Island, which is also in the environs of the uh, historic Rhode Island. So I don't see the, uh, the overall concept of the design being um, something that's out of the ordinary that we've had approved before. This is Commissioner Buchanan. Um, to clarify, so on sheet A3.1, where you, there's elevations and you call out the materials. Based on the patch pattern, it looks like there's going to be the concrete skirt instead of having that be veneered in stone. So it reads like the only stone is going to be the plinths for the columns on the carport and um, back porch and side return porch. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, oh, sorry. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Um, I should have made clear in the presentation that the carport is not part of this review. So I uh, just want to make sure that, that it wasn't covered in the staff report and it's actually not part of this application. Uh, Eric J, uh, one thing you might not know either, Brennan, is uh, that 
little bit, that 109 square foot addition that is only the new concord. Um, there's patio that is called out, poured around that. So the amount of concrete that's going from the top of the patio to the bottom of the siding is probably two inches. And so I don't see reason that that two inch strip should be veneered in stone. This is Mr. McKenna. I would agree just the way that it's drawn, it appears that, so it appears that even the existing conditions, like you would be almost covering up all the lime, existing limestone. Like it just- Well, uh, there, there's no existing limestone on the, on the, uh, on the kitchen. I mean, the existing limestone's on the existing front part of the house. Right, so even at the west elevation, this is Commissioner Buchanan on A3.2, and this was, it's drawn that way. I'm not saying it is that way, I just, the way I interpret it, and that's why I was asking for clarification. That's Commissioner Irby, sorry, uh, Mr. J, did you, you kind of got cut off there. Did you want to say something? Uh, that's fine. I mean, sorry that uh, it's not as uh, Brennan is seeing it. Uh, Commissioner Irby, is there any other, I mean, I'm, in, I'm inclined to approve this uh, in accordance with uh, staff recommendation, but is there other discussion? This is Commissioner Holder. I'm also inclined to approve. Um, I find that this project meets the standards and guidelines for a certificate of appropriateness because of the environs review and that it's spelled out about the environment rather than how it actually impacts the listed property. And so when kind of going through in, in the environs of other parts within those areas that were spelled out in our packet, it's although it, it is larger, the massing is a little large, everyone can admit that, um, it does fit within that environment. It's not encroaching on the list of property. This is Commissioner Holly. Um, I'm also generally in favor. My one question would be, um, based on staff report, if approved, would the recommendation for the um, change in metal roof type carry with that, or would that still just be a, a recommendation but not a requirement? Uh, would be curious both for Mr. J's response on staff's comment on roof type and clarification of whether that would be a requirement or a recommendation only. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resource Administrator staff would appreciate a discussion by the commission. The recommendation from staff would be to have that flat panel with crimp seams. Um, typically when this comes up at the meeting, the commission has a discussion with the applicant as to whether or not that would be something they would be willing to accept. And if not, then the commission would um, decide whether or not they want to make that part of the approval or not. One more, and then I would love to hear from Mr. J. Um, uh, Lynn, just to clarify, 
because flat can mean different things. Um, and I apologize, I haven't been on this commission terribly long. Does that mean a like a lock seam type flat, flat detail or just a low profile? Um, I'll call it flat seam, but like a tiny standing seam. It can be a little, I think the key is to have that flat pan instead of a ridge pan that's shown on the drawings and then the crimp seam. Um, usually you don't want that crimp lock seam to be too tall, but um, looking at manufacturing sheets, they're usually not excessive that would prohibit them from being used in this application. Uh, I'll say something if I can, uh, Eric J. Um, so yeah, I, I, if we do the metal roof, which we're proposing, we would do a non-striated pan, which unfortunately the the image in that cut sheet that I sent Lynn has striations in the in and between the the, the ribs. Um, we've been doing that hands more than striated ones. Um, and so I'm perfectly fine doing that. Um, you know, we'll see where the the budget goes with this too. And if a metal roof actually ends up being what we um, can do, because something that we've talked about with the homeowners is if, if we're trying to cut costs, maybe the metal roof actually doesn't suffer over the... Uh, the dormers and some of the accent roofs. And so if that's the case to that point, after we've gone through our budget numbers, um, that's another scenario where the main gable portion over the master suite, the comp um, shingles, and then the uh, shed dormers, and maybe the uh, cross gable that's running east and west um, would maybe be metal because I don't know if you're familiar with metal roofs, but they are a lot more expensive than uh, composition roofs. So that, that may be something that comes up. Commissioner Irby, if, if then the metal roof is not, I mean, it sounds like you're willing to cut it if the budget uh, makes that necessary, how would you feel about just not including it? Uh, Eric J, I don't, I don't think we want to just not include it right now because our first choice. Um, I, I think it's just a nicer roof, and then to me, it's maybe a little ethically nicer too. So um, I'd like to keep it as part of the approval. Commissioner Holly, um, Lynn, I would just like to confirm. Um, based on some of the comments that uh, Mr. J just made, if it were turned changed to a non-striated non panel, does that address your concerns? I guess I am just clarifying whether a low profile but still standing seam versus a completely flat, you know, shiplapped in the horizontal. I just want to clarify staff recommendation of metal roof type. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. I think um, probably the largest concern is having that flat panel instead of the striation. 
Um, I think the crimp locks are pretty standard when you're doing that flat panel. So um, if a metal roof is going to be approved, that would be staff's recommendation. I'd be happy with do, you know doing that non-strided panel. Commissioner Irby, so does the commission feel uh, like they would want to um, make that recommendation as part of the um, approval? It, this is Commissioner Holder. How I'm interpreting this conversation is we're all talking about the same thing. The wrong image was included in the packet. It sounded like the architect as well as the homeowners wanted to do a flat panel rather than a striated. So I think we would be safe to make a motion um, that the proposed project meets with the stipulation that they will use a non-striated flat panel metal roof. Commissioner Irby, I agree. Commissioner Holder, do you want to go ahead and make that motion then? I can. This is Commissioner Holder. I move that uh, we find that the proposed project meets the standards and guidelines of Chapter 22 and issue the certificate of appropriateness with the stipulation that the metal roofing type is a flat panel rather than a striated metal panel system. Commissioner Holly, I will second that motion. Commissioner Irby, thank you. Okay, we'll now take a roll call vote. Commissioner Holly. Aye. Commissioner Holder. Aye. Commissioner Buchanan. Aye. Commissioner Azell. Aye. Commissioner Irby is also aye. So this uh, carries, motion carries. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, next is 1201 Delaware Street. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. This would be the time that Commissioner Edzell would leave the meeting and we will invite him back in once the item is complete. Okay, this is Avery Kerner, Planning Staff. Commissioner Edzell is now in the waiting room. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. This is DR-001891201 Delaware Street. It's new construction, a certificate of appropriateness review. It's submitted by Neil Azell for Brent and Kara Latessa, the property owner of record. The um, property is located in the environs of, you wanna go back one? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the John and Mina Madsen house. Now, this is showing the property location. The Madsen house is in the center of the screen in the blue. The subject property is to the top left, highlighted in green. Gosh. <laughs> oh, keeps going. This is a photograph showing it is a vacant lot right currently and a house that's adjacent to the subject property. 
the applicant requests to construct a new 2,464 square foot structure on the property located at 1201 Delaware Street. The structure would be two stories tall and would be on a slab foundation. It, um, your staff report and mentions that it will be clad in fiber cement siding. It's actually proposed to be an LP smart siding, which is a wood product instead of a cement-based product. Um, it would be lap siding and a composition roof. Um, the applicant is also proposing to construct a detached garage on the property. And we'll just quickly look at the plans. This is the plot plan showing the location of the new house and garage on the property. Okay. This is showing the front of the house. You'll notice it's two stories. The windows are discussed in the staff report. They are a little unique for um, the environs of the listed property, but they certainly um, are appropriate for a modern structure. Okay. This is showing the side of the structure. And what you see on the right-hand part of the screen is the new detached garage. This is the rear of the structure. Um, what you see, oh, I'm sorry, this is the side of the structure. Uh, this um, showing that screen porch on the south elevation. And this is the rear of the structure, showing the garage in the forefront. You see the screened-in porch on the right and the um, upper portion of the primary structure. Um, the proposed project meets the majority of the standards and guidelines of Chapter 22. Of concern for staff, as noted in your staff report, is the slab foundation. The majority of structures in the environs are on an elevated platform. A raised slab foundation would help mitigate the difference between the slab on grade and raised platform foundation. I hope you saw there was um, a communication from the applicant in your packet that was added yesterday um, speaking as to why they are proposing a slab foundation. It looks like they are going to be putting some um, radiant heat in the foundation and there were some other issues that were described in that email um, as to the reason they want the slab foundation. Um, based on that, staff would change their recommendation um, and go ahead and um, request that the commission approve the certificate of appropriateness as the project is designed. And I'd be happy to stand for any questions you might have. Commissioner Irby, are there questions for Lynn? Okay, hearing none, uh, is the applicant present? And uh, if so, you're welcome to speak. That's your friend. Yeah. I'm Fred Schneider, I'm the project architect. I'm representing the Latessas. Um, the only thing I can say is I'd like you to draw your attention to the fact that when you do a regular slab, most contractors use a two by eight to set their forms around the trench footings. When this is poured, it leaves the house approximately seven inches out of the ground. If you look at the details shown on sheet A2 on the construction documents, you'll see that we propose a special footing that allows us to have a radiant heat 
It also provides for a thermal break with some rigid insulation in the footing. That expands the footing height now to about 12 inches out of the ground instead of approximately seven and a half inches out of the ground. Also, there's a slope from the, where the grade would meet the foundation down to the sidewalk. And if you saw the front picture of the, uh, the front elevation, uh, just the normal picture of the site, you'll see that the road is basically about 36 inches below the sidewalk. And then the sidewalk runs up to the house. We're proposing two risers and a, um, uh, one tread which will step up to the porch and we feel that this designation these differentiations in heights would actually help make it look like the structure is up uplifted and then also just the actual fact that we have 12 inches out of the ground so that's why we feel it should be approved <laughs> commissioner Irby thank you um, is there any public comment on this item? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. There is no one in the commission chambers wishing to speak and there are no hands raised over Zoom. Commissioner Irby, thanks. Okay, so we will bring this item back for discussion uh, to the commission. Uh, what do you think? Commissioner Irby, it's hearing no objections. It sounds like we are in agreement with the staff report. Commissioner Holly, sorry, I was looking for the footing detail um, that was referenced um, and I got lost in the drawings. Uh, Commissioner Holly is also overall in favor. Commissioner Holly, would you like to make a motion then? Yes, just a second, let me go back to staff. Commissioner Holly, it's also actually on the screen, thanks to Lynn. Uh, uh, Commissioner Holly never fails to be impressed by Lynn. Uh, <laughs> Commissioner Holly would recommend, um, in accordance with chapter 22 of the Code of City of Lawrence, um, the standards of certificate of standards of evaluation to approve the certificate of appropriateness for the proposed project and find that it will not significantly encroach on damage or destroy the landmarks of their environs based on staff recommendation. Commissioner Irby, I second the motion. Um, we'll take a roll call vote. Commissioner Holly. I think that was an aye. Could you repeat it? Sorry. Aye. Thank you, Commissioner Holder. Aye. Commissioner Buchanan. Aye. Commissioner Azell is abstaining, uh, and Commissioner Irby is also an aye, so the motion carries. Um, thank you. Thank you. Okay, we will move on to 5 Winona Avenue. 
Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. We are allowing Commissioner Ozell to come out of the waiting room and back into the meeting. Okay. This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. It looks like Commissioner Azell has rejoined us. Um, and so I will uh, just go ahead and give a quick overview of this item. Click the slides. Okay, so this is DR-21-00203 at 5 Winona Avenue for the demolition of an existing sunroom and deck and construction of a new addition and deck. This is a certificate of appropriateness review because the property is located in the environs of the Carl A. Prayer House located at 2301 Massachusetts Street. And standard nine applies to this project. On the screen, you'll see the project location map with five Winona Avenue outlined in blue. On the next slide, pull that up. Uh, on the next slide are images of the existing sunroom and deck at the rear of the existing structure. The applicant requests to demolish this existing sunroom at the rear of the structure and replace it with a new sunroom addition and deck. The new addition would be 198 square feet and approximately 20 feet by 10 feet in size. The proposed addition would use six inch woodlap siding and have a shed roof shape with composite asphalt shingle. This next slide includes a plot plan showing the proposed addition and deck. On the plot plan, you can see that the proposed addition and deck will be constructed on the south side of the house in generally the same location as the existing sunroom and deck, but will have a larger footprint. These are the elevations for the proposed addition and deck. The south elevation is at the top and the east and west elevations are on the bottom. The west elevation on the bottom left would be the primary elevation visible from Massachusetts Street. Windows will be used on all exterior sides of the proposed addition and the applicant has indicated that these windows will be aluminum clad. An entry door will be provided on the south wall of the addition. The proposed addition will be taller than the existing sunroom but will not exceed the height of the primary structure. This increase in height will require the removal of eyebrow broken gable roof lines, which are character defining elements. 5 Winona Avenue is not a listed property and the increase in massing and removal of the eyebrow roofs will not encroach on, damage, or destroy the listed property at 2301 Massachusetts Street or its environs. That being said, an addition that is lower than the eyebrow broken gable roof lines would be more appropriate. It is staff's opinion that the proposed addition generally meets the design criteria and would be compatible in size, scale, and materials used for structures of this type in the environs and would maintain and preserve the residential structure and character of the neighborhood. Staff finds that in accordance with the applicable review standards, the proposed project will not significantly encroach on, damage, or destroy the landmark or its environs and recommends approving the certificate of appropriateness. And with that, I would be happy to answer any questions you may have. Commissioner Irby, thank you. Questions for Ms. Kerner. Is the applicant present? It's Avery Kerner, planning staff. I believe Steve is on the call, yes. 
Hi, yes, this is Steve Bagwell with Hernley Architects. Uh, I'd just like to say thank you to the commissioners and the staff for your report and for recommending approval. Thank you. Is there, well, is it Commissioner Irby, is there public comment on this item? This is Avery Kerner, planning staff. There is no one present in the commission chambers and there are no hands raised over Zoom. Commissioner Irby, thank you. So we'll bring this back for discussion. Thoughts, questions? This is Commissioner Holder. I agree with staff's recommendations. Commissioner Irby, I see nodding. Okay, I will go ahead and make a motion. Uh, I move that in accordance with chapter 22 of the code of the city of Lawrence, the standards of evaluation uh, that we approve the certificate of appropriateness for the proposed project and find that the project will not significantly encroach on damage or destroy the landmarks or their environs. Commissioner Holder, I second. Commissioner Irby will take a roll call vote. Uh, Commissioner Holder. Aye. Commissioner Buchanan. Aye. Commissioner Hawley. Aye. Commissioner Azell. Aye. Uh, and Commissioner Irby is also an aye. Uh, so the motion carries unanimously. Thank you. Look with your project. Um, okay, and so then we have um, 623 Vermont Street. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. This is DR-21-00204. For an outdoor patio enclosure at 623 Vermont Street. This is a certificate of appropriateness review as well as a downtown design guidelines review. Um, the applicant requests to install a retractable awning and seasonal enclosure to a patio to the north side of the existing structure located at 623 Vermont Street. If you want to this is showing the property location. The blue line is the environs line for the J.B. Shane Thompson studio. And the highlighted in the blue-green color is the subject property. Okay. This is showing the subject property with the structure to the left side of your screen. And go one more. And the patio to the right. Um, this is a unique, um, one of the reasons you're seeing this is that we don't have this type of enclosure downtown. There aren't a lot of places where it would be possible, but we don't have um, temporary plastic or um, material that would close this off to be a seasonable patio. It's not something that staff had approved in the past or the commission had approved in the past. So since the guidelines are silent on this type of application, we've brought it to the commission for your consideration. And we'll look at some renderings. 
This is showing what the structure will look back when the awning is retracted and there is no enclosure. But you'll see the iron fence or, or the steel fence that's um, being proposed. This was actually already approved with the site plan, um, but has never been constructed. So it would be constructed as part of this project. Okay. This is showing the retractable awning when it's extended. Okay. And this is showing the temporary seasonal enclosure that is proposed. Um, the only concern for staff is the use of the plastic material. That's not something, um, like I mentioned, that we typically see in the downtown area. It is a limited use of it and seems appropriate for this area where it might not be appropriate in other areas of the downtown. Um, if the structure were to become a permanent structure and not just the plastic material, then that would need to come back to the Historic Resources Commission for review and approval. And with that, I'd be happy to stand for any questions you might have. This is Commissioner Holder. I do have a question, Lynn. My understanding is that the retractable awning and the structure that supports the awning is permanent in nature, but the temporary kind of vinyl plastic enclosure is only to be used seasonal. Is that correct? Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. That is my understanding, yes. Thank you. Hearing no other questions for uh, Lynn or Avery, uh, is the applicant present to speak? I am. Thank you, Commissioners. Uh, Paul Warner, Paul Warner Architects. Um, you are exactly correct. The structure and the um, retractable roof is permanent. Um, the panels facing Vermont Street are um, granted are the temporary portion of the project. Um, I think we all know we'd like to be outside right now. I think we like to be outside more and more uh, how these things are going. Um, I think it is an advantage that the patio is very narrow on Vermont Street and goes deeper. So the panels, um, there's just not that much that you're going to see. And obviously that is uh, used during the um, you know winter months and sort of thing like that. Um, I do believe the supplier, Tim, is on here. Um, I think he is. Um, he may want to comment on the material. Lynn had some questions. It's really not plastic. It's more vinyl. But if he is available, I'd probably like him to comment on, on more of the material because it uh, it's a pretty sturdy product. So we're, we're pretty pleased with it. But... We're, we're happy with the report. Um, we think it's a good addition to downtown. It's a great spot to do it. Um, so we look for your support and I'll look and see if Tim is available to talk. Thank you. This is Commissioner Buchanan. I think um, the nature of the awning itself is not my biggest concern. My biggest concern is the more permanent part and how it attaches to the structure. And that if it is truly temporary, and since we're asking this to meet the secretary and interior standards to be reversible, um, if 
if the product rep could verify that the way it's going to adjoin to the historic structure is not going to do any permanent damage and can be reversed in the future. I will fully support this addition. So it, it is essentially, it's a free, it's a freestanding structure. Um, we use some flashing. I don't know if Tim is still not here. Um, there's flashing to keep water um, out between the building and the structure and the water drains directly to the north. There's a gutter on the north side to take the water out to the west. So everything you just said is exactly right. It could disappear tomorrow. Um, these are pretty expensive structures, which is why we went through, um, you know, bringing it to the HRC in general. Um, on that note, just like the other, um, so many of the hospitality people downtown have built temporary structures with just site plan approval and, and we know sooner or later those are going to disappear on Mass Street. Um, we wanted to go through this process so it was legitimate and it's here and he can use it for a long time. Um, but it could it could be removed and there'd be no damage to either structure on the north or the south. Hello, this is Tim Kohler with Lawrence Fabric and Metal Structures. I, I apologize. I was trying to log on and speak earlier and I was unsuccessful. But Paul's exactly correct. The structure, uh, the nature of the structure, it can be attached to a building or it can be freestanding. Um, and in this case, if there are concerns with attaching to the Dempsey's building itself, then we can make the structure freestanding. That's not an issue. That's very standard. Uh, the, the fabric material, Material, the PDC fabric material is a structural fabric. It is uh, UV, it contains UV inhibitors. So this material is going to last way beyond the 10 year mark. Uh, this is not the kind of material that you may be used to seeing at, at uh, you know, Joe Schmo's Bar and Grill, where three years down the road, it looks like a rag and it's an eyesore. Uh, as Paul mentioned, this is a very expensive structure. It's meant to last. It will last. Um, it is a high-end uh, type structure. So there's, you know, this is coming from myself, the supplier, obviously. But, you know, these types of things aren't done at McDonald's. Um, they're, they're done at, at uh, different applications of, of this nature, different restaurants and things like that. Uh, okay, thank you. Commissioner Irby, uh, is there any other public comment on this item? Okay, so this let's... Is, I'm oh. sorry. Uh, this Come is Amy Turner uh, with planning staff. I zoned out for a second there. We do not have anybody in the city commission chambers wishing to speak, and there are no hands raised over Zoom. Commissioner Irby, thank you. So um, bringing it back to the commission for discussion, what do you think? This is Commissioner Holder. Once again, I agree with uh, staff recommendations for this project. This is Commissioner Holly. Um, 
Paul, one question, just because I wasn't clear from the renderings on the temporary enclosure on the in the vertical plane. So in the same plane as the wrought iron, what is rendered in the the second image um, for the the temporary condition? I just wasn't clear on the materiality there. In the the second image, just shows the roof closed. I believe it's the the first one is the normal condition. Ideally, when the roof's open and the wrought iron fence is visible from Vermont, and correct. And then the second image, so that's the second image with the roof closed and open to Vermont. The third image would be when the panels are installed facing Vermont Street for uh, more of the winter weather. Uh, and I apologize, I misspoke. I was talking about the third. So is, yeah. is that the temporary panels are PVC also? Correct, those are the PVC panels that get um, installed and then they get removed when um, you know we hit February or March and stored and then they get put back up in November. And that is the clear is a clear vinyl material uh, that everybody may be used to seeing. I, I like to say, you know, because everybody knows, everybody sees these types of things like a Jeep, Jeep Wrangler window, a canvas top Jeep Wrangler type window. Um, they it will be stretched taut around our framework, um, and the and the windbreak panels are absolutely seasonal. Is there any other discussion on this? I am also like Commissioner Holder um, in agreement with staff's recommendations. This is Commissioner Buchanan. Uh, I'm definitely in favor of this. I think it's a, a smart decision and I like its versatility for this location. Uh, Commissioner Irby, Commissioner Buchanan, would you like to go ahead and make a motion then? Or at least one of, one of the motions? This is Commissioner Buchanan. I'll make, make the motion that in accordance with Chapter 22 of the City Code of Lawrence, the standards of evaluation, approve the certificate of appropriateness for the proposed project and find that the proposed project will not significantly encroach on damage or destroy the landmarks or their environs. Commissioner Holder, I second. Excellent, Commissioner Irby, excellent. Okay, so roll call vote. Commissioner Holly. Aye. Commissioner Holder. Aye. Commissioner Buchanan. Aye. Commissioner Azell. Aye. And Commissioner Irby is also an aye. Commissioner Buchanan, you want to go ahead with motion number two? All right. This is Commissioner Buchanan. I make the motion that we find the proposed project meets the development and design standards of the downtown design guidelines for the downtown urban conservation overlay district. Commissioner Irby, I second that. Roll call vote. Commissioner Holly. Aye. Commissioner uh, Azell. Aye. Commissioner Buchanan. Aye. Commissioner Holder. Aye. Commissioner Irby is also an aye. So both motions carry. Uh, thank you. Good luck with your project. Thank you very much. 
And so we are now uh, through the public hearing items and moving on to miscellaneous, miscellaneous items. Uh, Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. The first miscellaneous item you have on the agenda this evening is for um, a zoning amendment for the property located at 1733 Massachusetts Street. You can go. Um, the subject property is outlined in that blue-green color. The listed property is at the top of the screen. The um, actual zoning request is for that small sliver of ground that you see just to the left of where the existing gas station is. It is actually currently zoned RS5 to go with all the zoning of those residential structures on Vermont Street. The request is to change the zoning of that little sliver to RM24 to allow for um, a new residential development. The, sub, the property just to the north of the gas station is currently zoned RM24 and this property was zoned RM24 earlier this year. So this rezoning request is for that little sliver of land that you see on the left-hand side right here where Avery is so kindly pointing. Um, staff initially had some concerns about this because the environs definition for the listed property states that the environs um, to the west of that hard property line between the residential and the commercial and multifamily on the right-hand side or on the Massachusetts Street side. Um, that it be residential in nature. The applicant has proposed um, a site plan which will be reviewed at a later date um, that shows this will be a large buffer area with some parking, um, just barely getting into that little sliver area. So really the residential character is not going to be diminished significantly and the new Proposed development will also be residential in character, although multifamily instead of the single dwelling that you have along Vermont Street. Um, typically, uh, you have the ability to comment on zoning amendments through your duties as Chapter 22. You do not have to comment on this rezoning request, or you can choose to make comment to the Planning Commission and City Commission on any um, concerns you may have for the rezoning request. And I'd be happy to answer any questions you might have. This is Commissioner Hawley. Um, Lynn, just, I didn't see in the packet, do we have any sense of the history of how this sliver came to be? It seems like it would have originally been part of the lot opposite. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. I do not, ha I have not found anything as to why that happened. The applicant is here. I don't know if they did research and found out how this small portion of that lot got separated. I don't know, Paul, would you like to speak to that? Um, I can, I wish I knew more. We're, we're not sure either. Um, uh, Looking back, it, it's been owned by some, and 
it's never been owned recently by the person that owned the house on Vermont. So it is just a strange little sliver of property. Um, uh, to elaborate a little bit on the zoning, um, to give us a little bit of credit, we did try to zone this open space because we don't really, we don't need it. We didn't want to really use it. We were trying not to cross the north, south, or east, west line, however you look at it, about the zoning, knowing that we're getting into a different zoning going west. Um, but because of a couple of flukes in the land development code, we couldn't zone it open space. So um, we really need to zone it the same zoning as goes with our project on Mass Street. But as Lynn mentioned, we are um, providing a, a large landscape buffer that's required and um, partial parking spaces encroach into the space. So it seems this is a good way to clean it all up, get it under the same ownership of the, um, our client that's buying it on Massachusetts Street. And um, I said, we're really not using it um, and, and go from there, but it, it's an oddball. There's, there's no doubt about it. When we saw it, we were, we were very surprised, so. So we are plat re we have to replat all this property as well, um, and we are hoping to bring you guys a building here shortly to look at. So that's what I know. I'm happy to answer any questions. And good thing this was miscellaneous item number one, or I, I might have missed it. Uh, but answer anything you guys uh, like to ask. Thank you. Commissioner, this is Commissioner Holly. I'll just um, comment that I don't have any additional comments. I, I, I am in favor of this zoning amendment. Uh, Commissioner Irby, so I think do we maybe as a commission we just we discuss whether we want to make a comment. Glenn Braggs, owner, historic resources administrator. Yes, that would be the discussion whether or not you want to make a comment. If you want to make a comment, what that comment would be. Thank you, Lynn. Commissioner Irby, thank you. And so Commissioner Holly has already said that he's in favor. Um, I'm also in favor and I'm I'm and I'm happy to comment as being in favor. Is that sort of how we feel? Does anyone, does, Oh, go ahead, Commissioner Holder. I agree. Commissioner Holder, I agree with everyone's comments that we're okay with it. This Commissioner Isel, I agree as well. This is Commissioner Buchanan. I'd love to say I, I agree and I do agree, but I think this is a really good example of where our zoning doesn't quite match up with what's probably the most appropriate use for, for an area. You know, I, I really would prefer seeing the open space next to any structure that would be proposed. I think that would be a better transition to the residential that's that's on that fringe. So um, as much as I am in favor of this, I'm also you know, aware of the inconsistencies with our current zoning. And I would really like to see that get resolved. Commissioner Irby, so Commissioner Buchanan, are you suggesting that we make that part of our comment? 
Commissioner McCann, no, not necessarily. I, I'm overall in favor, but I just personally want to express there is a desire to make the planning congruent with the current culture of how we want to use our properties. That that it just it just makes sense when things just make sense. It, it seems egregious to have to go through a process that says you can't do that. Commissioner Irby, so it sounds like we want to comment as a commission that we are in favor of this rezoning. Um, anybody want to make a motion to that effect? Go ahead. This is Commissioner Azell. I, I move that we do just that. Okay, uh, Commissioner Irby. So the motion is that uh, we move to uh, publicly comment that we support this rezoning. And I second that motion. Uh, we'll take a roll call vote. Uh, Commissioner Buchanan. Aye. Commissioner Azell. Aye. Commissioner Holly. Aye. Commissioner Holder. Aye. Commissioner Irby is also an aye. So motion carries. Awesome. Okay, so we're now on to miscellaneous item number two, red bricks and storied structures, a preservation conference. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Um, this is a four-year information about um, a preservation conference that's going to be held in Baldwin City next week on Thursday and Friday. Um, if you have a chance, you can look over the schedule that was included in your packet. And if anything, it is a free conference, but you would need to register. So if you're interested in attending, if you want to get in touch with me or with the county staff person working on the conference, we can get you registered for that. There are a couple of really good sessions, I think, um, that would be beneficial to commissioners. Commissioner Irby, uh, Lynn, would you wanna just call out the ones that you particularly recommend? I think they're all good. It depends on what your interest is. There are a couple on listing properties. Um, there's one that I'm particularly interested in that deals with brick streets and sidewalks. Um, I know that's something that we discuss a lot, so hopefully that will have some good information to share back with the commission. Okay, thank you, Lynn. And this looks like it's an actual in-person conference. Whoa. Um, okay, and so... Moving on, um, 812 to 814 Massachusetts Street. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. This was actually on your agenda last month, um, DR 20-00260 for 812-814 Massachusetts Street. It's a patio edition. It's a state law review and a downtown design guidelines review. Um, there was some information that was not included in last month's packet, and then there was some information that um, 
was put together by the applicant since that time. If you want to go to the next slide. This shows the project location. It is located in the downtown historic district. It is contributing property for the eight um, 14 piece, 812 is not contributing. If you recall, you can go to the next slide. This was the addition. The commission approved the project with the stipulation that the galvanized metal siding be painted. You can go to the next one. And the applicant desires not to paint the siding and submitted, I hope you saw in your packet, some areas in the downtown district where there is unpainted metal um, that they would like for you to reconsider um, having to paint this metal. And I don't think he's here, is he? And I do not see the applicant on the call. One other option that the applicant had mentioned that um, I'm not sure if he's still um, investigating this line of thought would be to do a mural on the um, addition if that would be something that the commission would be interested in either. Wow, Commissioner so, Irby, so uh, Lynn, I'm just a little confused. How does this work? Like, what are we, what are we supposed to do? Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Um, you would be reconsidering this item since it wasn't denied. It wasn't something that was appealable. But um, the applicant has indicated they don't want to paint it. So you would be reviewing this with it not being painted. Um, you could offer suggestions um, about the mural if you would like to do that. But you would take a vote on whether or not to be able to leave this unpainted. And so it would be a reconsideration of your um, vote from last month's meeting. Sherby, okay, so we either agree to let this go unpainted, we talk about uh, requiring a mural, or we deny the project, is that correct? Those are sort of our options. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. I believe those would be your options. This is Commissioner Holder. Um, if we agreed to a mural, what is the review process on that? Because I think there would need to be some sort of oversight as to the content. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. There is actually um, our... Um, now the name slips my mind, but cultural, we, arts. cultural arts commission that reviews all murals um, in the city. So any mural that would be painted would go through that process. Thank you, Lynn. This is Commissioner Holder. Um, do we need to ask for public comment? Because I have some comments on the packet that was proposed. Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Yes, you would ask for public comment. Um, okay, Commissioner Irby, is there any public comment on this? This is Avery Kerner, Planning Staff. There is nobody present in the Commission Chambers to speak, and nobody has raised their hand via Zoom. 
Commissioner Irby, thank you. Okay, so we'll bring it back to the commission. Commissioner Holder, do you wanna go ahead and comment? Yes, thank you. Uh, this is Commissioner Holder. Um, I appreciate the applicant going through the motions of trying to find justification for leaving the corrugated metal panels unexposed um, or exposed on the alley side of this uh, building. Um, here are some issues with the information that was gathered. They found three listed properties to justify this use because metal was used on their historic facades. But whether it's a Mesker facade, which was historically used in the 19th century, or there's still metal cornices in downtown Lawrence or the subject photos that they submitted, they were all painted. They were never left exposed. So as a materials conservator myself, I'm, I, I, got, I saw this packet and I see their intent, but I'm, I'm a little frustrated because it would have never, if this would have gone through the process like it was supposed to, and this is why we made this decision last time, we would have never, first, this is corrugated metal and it was always a agricultural material. It was an industrial roofing material. It was never a siding material. We would not have allowed this material to, from the get-go. We were coming to a compromise and allowing the applicant to paint this material. This is a corrugated metal that traditionally and historically was a roofing material. If they wanted to do a pressed metal facade from Mesker, because they do replicas, let's talk about that, but it still would be painted. Um, and then the examples that were submitted, I'm not quite sure. There was the Sarah's fabric is actual metal, but they submitted a painted metal framing system, a roofing system that was unpainted, which again, it's a roof, uh, that's a different scenario, and then a door. So I don't think any of the materials that were submitted justify leaving this unpainted. So my opinion remains the same, that they need to paint this, but I would be open to a discussion about a mural, but it would need to be uh, covering the, the majority, 75% or more of the metal panels. Lynn Braddock Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. Um, I apologize. I should also have said that you can refer this until the applicant is present to answer your questions. That would also be an option. This is Commissioner Buchanan. Um, I completely agree with Sarah, and I will take that another step further. Another pattern that was with, with what was submitted is most all of that was on a second story. So even on the one-story structure, it was on the upper half um, and not at the pedestrian level. So again, I am not going to waver on, on my opinion that this is inappropriate. The amount of material, the locate, it, it's just, it's, uh, it's inappropriate. Uh, and I would, for the applicant's sake, favor that we, um, I guess, wait until they're they can be here. Or if their intention is that we say no and this goes to city commission, um, I, I, I would put that out there because I've seen it before. Commissioner Irby, I'm inclined to, to not do anything until the applicant can be present because I think they need to be here to answer our questions about this. So does anyone object to, to deferring? And to, is, that, I don't, is that what we're doing, Len? We're deferring? 
Uh, I'm Brad Historic Resources Administrator. Yes, you be deferring until the applicant can be present to answer questions. Um, yeah, and I think any discussion of a mural, we would certainly have to have the applicant present for that discussion. So uh, does anyone object to that? And Glenn, do we need a, do we need to like vote on, I guess we do. Um, I, I move that we defer this until the applicant is present. I second, Commissioner McCann I second. Okay, uh, we'll take a vote. Uh, Commissioner Buchanan. Aye. Commissioner Azal. Aye. Commissioner Holder. Aye. Commissioner Hawley. Aye. Commissioner Irby is also an aye. That is deferred. Um, I think we have come to the end of our agenda for this evening. Um, uh, I would like to ask Lynn, are there plans to bring us back uh, in person or what's what's the plan on that? Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Administrator. I thought we were going to go through and no one was going to ask me that question. <laughs> um, right now, there are no plans to bring the Historic Resources Commission back into um, City Commission room in-person meetings. There are some trial runs going on with the City Commission right now. Unfortunately, the room setup is a little unique. They only have a five-member commission and we have seven. So it will take some um, more creative thinking to try to figure out how to get all seven members plus staff in the room while maintaining social distancing and actually having uh, video cameras for each commissioner. So for right now, we'll still be doing Zoom meetings with um, members of the public who need to can come into the commission room but I don't have any update on when we will actually be holding public meetings in person. This is Commissioner Buchanan. I, I understand the full HRC is, is more people. Uh, can I request that we experiment with, if there are ARC meetings, that we make those in person? Lynn Braddock-Zollner, Historic Resources Commissioner. I'm sorry, Administrator. Yes, we can definitely investigate to see if those meetings could be in person. Commissioner Irby, and in the meantime, my son will just continue to enjoy making random appearances during the HRC meetings. Are there any anything else to bring up, Commissioner Holder? Oh, I was going to say you're in good company. My daughter likes to laugh wildly outside my door. So. <laughs> uh, children. Okay, well, um, thank you, everyone. Thank you, Lynn and Avery. Meeting is adjourned. <laughs>